All right, hello Canada and baseball fans and drunk people on the internet, our friends, family, dog walkers, cousins. Welcome to uh, episode five of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, uh, the baseball podcast that comes to you from Canada by Canadians for Canadians. Uh, yeah, we just drink beers and talk about Blue Jay baseball a lot, basically. Uh, to my left, we have uh, Captain Stats, Justin Anderson. Uh, via Skype, we have Patrick, Randy's dad, Marsh. That's for you South Park fans out there. Uh, today, we're talking about Jose Batista. Obviously, we're talking about how everyone's getting hurt. We have no one left to trade. We're going to have uh, the rant from a man, Patrick. We're going to have Justin uh, going to some very in-depth stats today. Your, uh, your advanced stats is pretty good today, Justin. Not going to lie. And uh, just some random other stuff. Um, first of all, let's start with the week that was, as we always do. Uh, lost to Houston. Bullpen blew it classic. Um, we split with Detroit. I called the sweep, but never listened to me. Uh, what do we think, boys? Two and three uh, last week. Classic. Yeah, I mean, we're about on par with the level of baseball Detroit plays. A couple of tough losses. I mean, the the one that Hap had a rough outing in, we didn't see that coming. Mm-mm. And then yesterday, kind of a crappy, a great start from Baraki once again. Um, and the boys just couldn't get on the bats. Tied in the bottom of the ninth and then lost it right away. So, yeah. um, too bad to see. But I mean, there are lots of positives out of this week, outside of one rough game. The rest of the ball games were one run games. So that's I mean that's all you can ask for a team who's trying to be competitive. Patrick, do you think that splitting that series against Detroit, do you take that as a, a positive for the Jays or a negative? Because I mean, two struggling teams. What did you see in that series specifically? Uh, one thing that was really frustrating was uh, actually just before the Detroit series, Ryan Tapera. We talk about Ryan Tapera more than any <laughs> other player, I think. And why do we do uh, that? Because it's Ryan fucking Tapera. Like out of all the guys that we have on our yeah. team, I know he's good when we say he's bad, and he's bad when we say he's good. There's never a happy medium, mm-hmm. and he blew the game in Houston. So this week he's bad. So. Bad so, Ryan Tapera, stop being bad. Should we just not talk about um, Ryan Tapera this week and maybe he'll be, be middle of the road when he comes back from his injury? <laughs> it's it's too late, though. We just talked about Ryan oh, Tapera, which means something's going to happen yeah. now we with him it. this week. We blew it. Well, we're, we're calling <laughs> him out, so maybe he'll come back from yeah. injury and be really good. Yep. He might be on sorry, Ryan... not sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ryan Tapera, I'm yeah, sorry, might, yeah. but you're bad. Yeah. But... On the bright side, Marcus Stroman was great in the 3-2 win against the Tigers. Yeah. Seven innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one earned run, no walks given up, four strikeouts, and he gave up a dinger, but no walks given up. Thank you, Marcus. You are back. Yeah. And I owe you a great big friggin' apology. We'll get to that. Yeah, we haven't even started Sorry <laughs> Not Sorry, guys. We're just mixing segments with each other. Um, so who's been good for us? Uh, other than the guys we said, let's just talk about let's talk about some of the fielding guys here. Um, I'm, I, I want to like Randall Gritchick, and again, I love the way like mm-hmm. just looks like a ball player. I always like yeah. the guys that look like a ball player. He's got a baller haircut. But it's just uh, it's that love-hate relationship. He's kind of like the Ryan Tapera. Why are we talking about him again? <laughs> but he's kind of like the Ryan Tapera of uh, you know the lineup because he's just kind of so middle of the road. Uh, yeah. Justin, uh, you say he's been good though, right? He has been. I mean, he finished June with a 294 batting average in the month, which, I mean, from anybody in the league, you'll take that number. Eight home runs, six doubles, scored 15 runs and drove in another 20. Um, his Damn. WRC plus in the season, a stat we've talked about a few times, it's up to 94 now. Before, at one point, I think it was below 30. It might have yeah. been about 38-ish in that range, I mm-hmm. think. 
So I mean, he's 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 approaching rapidly a replacement level status player, and yeah. his, and his defense has been positive. I mean, we can talk about that catch he made in Houston. Yeah, all we want, right? Uh, Save the game. Um, so and he showed a couple other good plays. He's got a decent arm out there in right field, and he takes good routes to the ball and sets himself up well to throw. Mm. So that's definitely a big positive for me when it comes to Gritchuk. And I, I think we're the two ninety four. I still think he's a two seventy hitter. So I mean, that's fine too. Yeah, I mean two seventy is respectable. It's More than above fine. major league average. So. Speaking, speaking of around that batting average, uh, really quick here, Aledonis Diaz, mm-hmm. uh, also he had a pretty good June, batted 280. Yeah. Um, he, again, just such a middle-of-the-road player. Who do you think has been playing better as of late, Patrick, uh, Diaz or Gritch? Oh, Gritch. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about the bombs. Uh, hitting eight <laughs> home runs in a yeah. month is great for any player, uh, let alone someone who's kind of considered a borderline replacement. Yeah. Uh, Gritch, I remember being so pissed at him uh, before he got injured and how he was barely batting like <laughs> what 100 or 120 Something and now really he's got up to yeah. 208 yeah. i love it i want to see him walk a little bit more than almost never but <laughs> baby steps i love seeing him up over the mendoza line mm. and something tells me he's going to finish the year with like 30 home runs or so you're Just saying the Randall Grichik. Well, Randall Grichik's going to hit pace. 30 home runs right now. Is he at, what is he at, 13 now? Um, he's got 10. 10? Okay. Well, I'll bet you $5 right now that doesn't happen. It'll be close, but I bet you right now that Grich does not hit 30 home runs. It's a big money it's bet. It's a big money bet, $5. Just came back from Vegas and you're on the betting train. I don't want to talk about Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk All about right, it. You're on, you're on for the bet. Yeah, I'm not good for it, but that's okay. Uh, this week we got the New York teams, so you're playing the Mets. Who cares? Uh, again, there's one thing that we should care about, but, I mean, spoiler alert, we will talk about it. Uh, let's talk about the Yankees, though. Uh, how do we see that series going? Do we maybe get a little bit of life in us before the All-Star break kind of thing here, yeah. or are we going to struggle? It depends. If, if I haven't looked ahead yet to see if Luis Severino is pitching against us, but if he is, I don't want to watch that game because no. he's going to be way too good. So filthy. I kind of hope we get uh, Sonny Gray because we've wrapped him up a couple of times mm-hmm. in the Yankee uniform, um, and he's been not good this season. So... Uh, it's going to depend on pitching matchups in that one for sure. Because I mean, you got to shut down that Yankees lineup as much as you can. If you give up more than four or five runs to those guys, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to win because exactly. their bullpen is so good. Um, yeah. Patrick, do you see our bullpen um, playing well against the Yankees? I mean, their lineup is obviously stacked. I can see our starters, you know, holding their own against them. But do you think it's going to be another classic Jays? The bullpen comes in and gives up a lot of home runs. Yeah, I'm. Like, the thing is. The Mets are as big a dumpster fire as we are, so mm, I could so, see yeah, us taking bigger. two from from them. But when we play the Yankees, I think we're playing them at home too. Yeah, I I like our chances of uh, it's a uh, three game set, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm gonna say for the rest of the week we're gonna go three and two. Okay. I mean, I was dead wrong about last week. I yeah, thought we'd we be were. one game below. 500 by the end of the Mets series and right now even if we win both (laughs) against the Mets we're still gonna be four games below so I mean I have no credibility as an analyst anymore and (laughs) you guys are maybe I never never did I'm always giving up all these stats saying why we won't do these things and some of the time most of the time I think most of the time it's coming true I'm I'm probably the guy who's 
kind of the negative Nancy in the room when it comes to predicting uh, where the Jays are going to go, but I think I've been right more times than not so far. Remember the first episode, how negative we were? That was a dark time. It we kind of turned it around time. a little bit this since the then, darkest though. darkest timeline. Uh, let's keep going with this Mets talk here because, uh, yeah, shocker. The rant uh, is about a former Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, Brad Fulmer in the rant. Um, <laughs> Patrick, yeah, Brad Fulmer. Are we talking about uh, Russ Adams? Who are we talking about in the rant here, oh, former Jay? Russ Adams, MVP 2005. <laughs> well, this week we're actually going to be talking about uh, our returning hero, Jose Batista. He's Ooh. playing right now, and he actually already scored a run in the game. They're up 2-0 uh, as of the bottom of the first. Uh, so... Yay, we're losing. You've been watching anyway, the World Cup. Hey, two minutes, nil, two minutes before. Oh, the Mets are dumpster fire. We're just <laughs> as good as them. Oh, we're also losing to them 2 nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's early. <laughs> yeah, this is like a weird episode of just like ups and downs. But this is a huge up because we're going to talk about Jose Batista, the man, the myth, the legend, the superstar. Are you guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. The Toronto Blue Jays were not good enough to get into the playoffs for over 20 years. That's a depressing start to this rant, but I promise it gets better. After years of waiting and struggling to compete against the mighty payrolls of the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, the Jays were finally able to break through and make it to the ALCS in back-to-back seasons. The newfound success was thrilling for fans starved of baseball success. This couldn't have been done without the hard work of management to put the Jays in a position where they could bring in superstars to boost the team when they needed it the most. Most people talk about how great the Josh Donaldson trade was and how big an impact it was to bring in guys like LaTroy Hawkins, Troy Tulowitzki, and David Price. But But when there was nobody else in Toronto, there were always two guys who made Blue Jay baseball fun to watch. Edwin Encarnacion and our returning hero, Jose Batista, players who were basically tossed around because it was believed they had no value. That's enough to put a chip on anybody's shoulder. The first little while that Jose was on the team was not really that great for him, but in 2010, he came into his own, smashing 54 home runs, becoming one of the most popular players in Major League Baseball. He did more the same in 2011 when he crushed another league-leading 43 home runs while drawing an insane number of walks both seasons the jays played about 500 baseball but i actually had to look up their record because all i could remember from those years was how great jose batista was at the plate all of a sudden a team that leans so hard on roy holiday a pitcher uh, for identity suddenly had a superstar at the plate who was single-handedly winning games Six straight all-star seasons later, the Jays found themselves competitive as Batista was joined by all of those other players that I mentioned before that we traded for and boost the team back into the playoffs. Fans will remember seeing the big stars coming to Toronto, but we already had a couple of our own, and credit is due to Joey Bats for being the soul of the team during the leaner years. And of course, as you all know, then came the bat flip. A crazy seventh inning in Game 5 of the ALDS, uh, capped off by the biggest home run in franchise history outside of Joe Carter's walk-off home run to win the World Series in 1993. If you were watching live, you can remember that hour-long inning vividly as a roller coaster ride of emotions capped off with the words, Batista with a drive, deep left field, no 
doubt about it. I can't do the play call justice, but the bat flip seen around the world was the accent on a sentence that screamed, the Blue Jays are back on top. It may have ruffled the feathers of other uh, teams' fans, namely the hopeless Texas Rangers, who have never won a World Series, but it was symbolic of more than just arrogance at the plate. From the moment his career started, Batista played with a chip on his shoulder, bouncing around teams until he made a home in Toronto. The team itself had the same chip, always finishing below the Red Sox and Yankees and never playing meaningful baseball in October. With the swing and flip of a bat, Jose Batista put an end to that chip on our shoulders. Now, July 3rd is usually the day most Canadians are returning uh, back to work from the, the weekend holiday, uh, nursing a powerful hangover from celebrating their country's birth, but it means so much more this year. We get to welcome back our team's biggest hero of the decade, as well as one of Canada's adopted sons. There is no doubt that Batista will receive a chorus of applause and cheers, which he did, and rightfully so. Jose will always be remembered as the powerful slugger that brought Blue Jay baseball back from the dead and into a new era. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Jose. And I throw it to you guys. Share your memories. Justin. Man, I gotta say, when you, when you were reading that, uh, talking about the bath, I thought I was actually getting chills just thinking about it. Yeah, oh yeah, everyone does. Yeah, it's it's like every, even though I w- I was like six months old when Carter hit the walk off. Every yeah. time I see a video of that, I just get chills just Nuts. thinking about man. I wish I would have been able to see that and remember it. Cause, mm-hmm. Oh, it just get, it just kind of gets a little bit emotional almost <laughs> just thinking about it. Uh, man, I love baseball. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Bautista, I mean. One, as you were going through that, mentioning Carter and, and then Bautista's home runs, I was thinking, um, like, Cito Gaston was a manager in 93 yeah. when that happened. And when we got Bautista, um, Gaston came back, like, a year or so later, and he was the guy that actually found kind of the holes in Bautista's swing and, mm-hmm. and turned him into the guy who hit 54 home runs. So, I mean, we can thank Cito Gaston for for a lot of Jose's success, I, I believe. And I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool that the guy who was there uh, managing the team in the greatest years of Blue Jay baseball was kind of the guy who was part of the architect of, of the kind of the current iteration of the successful years as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty cool, um, I guess, tie-in between Cito Gast and about 20 years apart. I will always remember Jose for, I forget the pitcher, um, but someone threw right in his head. And like really like some high chin music. Was it uh, Darren O'Day? It might have been Darren O'Day. And then Jose just stared him down. Mm-hmm. There was some words said, and like you know they started coming out or whatever. And yeah, next pitch like bomb dinger. and like dinger, like huge <laughs> dinger, and just stared him down as he's going down yeah. there. And like yeah, again the other like fans of the twenty nine other teams, they'd be like, well, dick move. But for Jay's fans, it's like yeah, like it was fuck awesome, you, buddy. Like it's, it's pretty nice. But although yeah, there was a uh, the YouTube video of Jose Batista's home runs, like all in like right away like the yeah it's i think it's put to like johnny cash's god's gonna put you down mm-hmm. and every time it like hits like the baseline yeah. there's it's great um <laughs> let's get to uh sorry not sorry before we get to the advanced stats here thing uh first of all um i have always been a fan of kevin clara <laughs> i haven't said a bad thing about him because he's one of the best jays on the team still but you guys seem to absolutely eviscerate him last week and he made one of the best catches he's ever had uh i don't have to apologize to kevin pilar you guys do, uh, I do make yeah. it quick okay um, make it quick yeah i've got i'm not apologizing for his offense because i still think kevin pilar can't hit 
He's batting around 200 his last <laughs> six games, which he can never hit though. That's course. not his thing. So I, I need to apologize for Kevin Pillar for saying that he's a bad center fielder because a bad center fielder doesn't make that catch. Yeah. Um, it was eerily reminiscent of that one he made a couple of years ago when he was playing in left field. Um, when he climbed the fence yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you love about Kevin Pillar. He's not fast like some center fielders, but he does run good routes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll give him that much. He's got a quick first step, and that the first step was that what allowed him to make that catch, and the fact that Castellanos hit that ball very, very high. Mm-hmm. So it gave KP a good read of where he had to get to on the wall, and you saw him kind of looking a couple times to see where the wall was so he could time that jump. And I mean, you don't make that catch by not playing it perfectly, and in that situation, he definitely uh, played it perfectly. So I'm sorry, Kevin, for saying that you're a bad center fielder, but you're still hitting... 210 after the month in the month of june so i'm not sorry for that wow awesome apology um uh let's go to patrick here not for kevin pilar but uh marcus stroman um you have again eviscerated marcus stroman just as kevin eviscerated kevin pilar uh we've both kind of been like you know what you know personally like his you know behind the scenes kind of thing how he's a little drama and diva and stuff like that but you were roasting his on the field performance i think me and justin were the off the field performance yeah. uh you were the on field performance and stroman's been really proving it so um Without further ado, apologize. I'm sorry, Marcus Stroman, but uh, last week when I questioned your heart, I was very wrong. You are overcoming adversity yet again in your career by coming back and throwing 12 of the best innings that you've thrown probably in about a year. He's been fantastic. He's not really giving up walks anymore. He's not striking people out like mad, but he's definitely getting the job done out there. And, yeah, very impressive against the Tigers uh, and was also impressive in his uh, five innings of fine work against the Angels in Los Angeles uh, the week before last. So, Stroman, is he back? Is he going to be you know, the guy for us for the future. I don't know exactly what's going to happen this year because we're so off the board now with expectations that he could get dealt tomorrow. We wouldn't be surprised or he could end up getting signed to like a 10 year extension and we wouldn't be surprised at Mm -hmm. that either. So I'm, I'm sorry that I questioned him uh, and his on field performance. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. See if he can bounce back all the way. Yeah. Uh, two people we don't have to apologize to, uh, Russell Martin and Luke Maley. <laughs> we talk about them every week, too. Yeah, we do. And I think, <laughs> again, to. catchers kind of get a little bit of a pass because they had the tough job, uh, you know? They're, they're getting dinged up back there. Uh, they have to call the game and do all this defensive stuff. So their offense kind of goes by the wayside because, you know, they have all the defensive things around them, you know? But I'm sick and tired of throwing excuses for Russell Martin and Luke Maley. Yeah. Like, Luke Maley was coming out hot when the season started, you know? Yeah. And he was flashing his brilliance. You can't flash your brilliance and then play so bad in the same year i get it from year to year like if you flash your brilliance one year and then the next year nothing i get that you're hot for a year whatever something happened in the offseason but to do that in such a short time like luke mainly you got to figure it out especially when russell martin like he's not playing good no. mainly could really like step into this opportunity and have a chance to get a job as the jays everyday catcher because he has the potential but he's just he's not seizing that opportunity he's not He's not playing better than Russell Martin for. Ah, he might be playing a little bit better, but not. I, I don't know. I yeah. just we we can't apologize to them. We can't keep get, letting them get away with no, subpar hitting. They're not great. Um, I will say with this, Luke Miley hit 200 in June. Mm-hmm. 
he, he hit 189 in May, so he improved by 11 uh, points on his average. Ugh. Russell Martin has improved every month, guys. I mean, 156 in April, mm-hmm. 175 in May, and 188 in June. So he, maybe he'll hit 200 in July. God, what a dumpster He's fire. He's 0 for 4 so far. but oh, That's great. <laughs> uh, let's get to the advanced stats portion here. Um, All right. We got our uh, captain stats here, Justin Anderson. Yeah. Um, the advanced stats today, are we doing pitching? We're doing pitching again. Um, we talked about Sierra skill independent ERA yeah. last week so we're going to talk about FIP which is another stat I've talked about before we've briefly touched but I just want to kind of go in depth because I know there's a lot of people out there who are probably like what the heck is FIP uh, so FIP is fielding independent pitching so what it does is FIP measures what a pitcher's ERA would look like if that pitcher had experienced kind of the league average outcome on all the balls in play um, as well as league average timing which has a little bit to do with like turning double plays that mm-hmm. sort of thing um, so pitchers have little or no control over what happens when a ball is put in play by a batter unless it's hit straight to them, obviously. Um, so FIP attempts to remove kind of the, the role of the defense and the luck that happens on a ball diamond to give more of an accurate depiction of performance. Um, and interestingly enough, like fa- the site Fangraphs uses FIP in its uh, war calculation, its wins above replacement, whereas baseball reference uses ERA instead of FIP. So mm-hmm. that's why you get BWAR and FWAR because there's baseball reference in Fangraphs. Um, I have the calculation for FIP. It, it basically it uses home runs, walks, and hit by pitch um, minus Ks divided by innings pitched. Then there's an, a FIP constant, which is usually about 3.10. It's kind of an ERA constant. Um, so what it attempts to do is it's it's uh, isolating the performance of pitching using outcomes where luck is not involved. Um, so outcomes where there's no luck or strikeouts, walks, hit batters, and home runs allowed. Uh, so FIP kind of assumes average luck on balls in play, which means an average fielding percentage. Gotcha. So it assumes that um, if that's an easy play, the fielders are going to make the yeah. play most of the time, right? Um, so this is a good example here. Let's imagine that there are two pitchers who throw the exact same pitches at the same time and the same velocity to the exact same batters. The only difference is that one of the pitchers has the league's best defense and one does not. So if everything else is equal, over the course of a season, the pitcher with the better defense was likely going to have a better ERA, but their FIP between the two pitchers is going to be equal because it'll average out. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a great place to start when you're looking to evaluate pitchers. Uh, obviously, pitchers who give up fewer line drives, um, like a Marcus Stroman, and give up m- more ground balls are going to have a, a lower FIP. Mm-hmm. Um, pitchers who limit their running game, so guys with a good pickoff move, a la Mark Burley, yeah. are going to have a lower, are going to quote unquote beat their FIP, so they'll have a lower ERA than their FIP says. Um, so Mark Burley over his career had always had an ERA way lower than his FIP, just because I mean Mark Burley got hit around, yeah, but he was good at limiting base runners and getting out of trouble because mm-hmm. he got ground balls. Uh, so FIP is a good measuring stick uh, to predict to predict future performance, whereas Sierra last week we talked about looks to the past. Mm-hmm. So there's also a stat called XFIP, um, which is the exact same as FIP, but it uses the average um, home run per fly ball percentage. So say a pitcher gives up a home run on 12% of their fly balls one year and only 7% the next year, um, their XFIP is going to fluctuate. So the league average on home runs per fly ball is usually somewhere around 10.5%. So XFIP uses that number to calculate it um and a ground ball pitcher is going to have a lower xfip than a fly ball pitcher just because they don't give up fly balls mm-hmm. right um looking at it from a jay's perspective uh a good a guy to use it for the example is jay hap so his era as it stands currently on the season is 4.03 
his FIP and XFIP are virtually identical. FIP is 365 and his XFIP is 366. Mm-hmm. So Happer's a guy who gets ground ball. He strikes out a ton of guys. And FIP and XFIP both love strikeouts. Um, Aaron or Marcus Stroman's another interesting guy for this. 602 ERA. It was 771 when he came back. So he's yeah. already lowered it almost two full runs and two starts. Good on him. His FIP is 418. Not bad. But his XFIP is. 363 because he gets a ton of ground balls yeah. and his home run per fireball percentage is very low. Um, another guy is Sam Gaviglio with a 415 ERA. His FIP is a bit higher, but because those home run numbers are down, 3.9 is his XFIP. So mm. it it's tough to pick between FIP or XFIP. XFIP is kind of because not every pitcher is measured equally when it comes to fly balls. Right? Mm-hmm. Some guys give up lesser contact. Uh, R.A. Dickey was a guy who gave up home runs, but overall his ball wasn't moving very fast. The hitters weren't hitting the ball as hard off of him because they weren't getting given the initial velocity, right? Yeah. So his XFIP was always a bit lower too. So when you're picking one or the other, I like to go with FIP personally because it's more representative of that pitcher. Um, you, You can't say, oh, this guy has a high FIP. But if he gave up the exact number of fly balls per home or home runs per fly ball as everybody else, he'd be this. But, mm. but he doesn't. He's a he's a different pitcher. So it's it's tough to pick one of the two. But I do like FIP personally. If I had to pick one of these two. Gotcha. All right. Any questions on that, guys? I, so I have a question actually. Yeah, sure. Just to uh, get back to R. A. Dickey for a second. Yeah. Now, uh, Dickey was like a Gold Glove on. He was on the field. So does that have an impact on FIP? Or is it? Does it just assume the pitcher is the league average? Like, are the stats different for the, like if the pitcher makes the play compared to just the fielders make the play? Like, is there sure. a difference? Like, if you make the play as a pitcher, is it like make your fit better? Right. Or is it just the same as a normal ground ball? It it, it essentially averages everything out. So I have Aradiki's stats oh. up right now. So if over the course of his career, his ERA was four oh four, his FIP was four forty one, and his xFIP was four thirty one. So it's kind of what I was just talking about, how pitchers can beat their FIP, like Mark Burley and R.A. Dickey, because they can get out of jams. They don't give up a ton of home runs per fly ball. So that's why his ex-FIP kind of was lower than his FIP as well. Mm-hmm. So it, like I said, it, 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 no, there's no perfect stat. Like ERA is not perfect. FIP isn't perfect. Ex-FIP's not perfect. Neither is Sierra. There's, there's no perfect stat, but looking at everything – encompassing you can kind of get a better picture of of how a guy will perform in the future because you can see clearly very clearly what he's done in the past that's what like we live in the golden age of stats right now yeah um i can't even imagine being around in the 1930s and just having to do everything with the seeing eye test because they had radar guns but that's about it they could tell how fast the guy was throwing but you couldn't measure the spin rate on somebody's change up Mm -hmm. like you can today it's crazy like uh, (laughs) It's perfect for a guy like me who's <laughs> in love with all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there's, does that answer your question, Patrick, a bit? A little bit. The thing w- that I'm curious about is, ha- like, how, like, these advanced stats are obviously very useful when it comes yeah. to evaluating player talent in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But how do, you, how do you go beyond these numbers when you're doing, uh, like, a performance evaluation? Like, w- I would rather have someone like Dickey on the mound who is a gold glover who has that ability when he's on on the mound because it does have an immediate impact on uh, the success in the game, right? 
So and FIP can't really do that. Yeah, it can't really fo- like it can't really help with that component of uh, <clears throat> of, uh, of 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 like stats and understanding player value for sure when but... it comes to p- pitchers. But how exactly can you measure the value of a pitcher? Uh, like not, I guess including the fielding percentage or what they're capable of doing on the mound as far as like being able to field pop-ups or ground yeah. balls because it does it is significant it's 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 significant but it's it's not something that anybody really worries about like nobody's going out and not drafting a pitcher because they can't field well we're worried about them striking up batters and getting out yeah. for the for the team first i mean i i would never look at a pitcher's defense as a as a reason to not sign a guy I mean, the amount of times the pitcher has to field a ball in the game, it's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. It doesn't really even the thought doesn't even really cross my mind. I don't really think about pitcher defense. It it, it doesn't really factor at all into Cy Young because the Gold Gloves a completely different award. Cy Youngs are completely for pitching, right? So I mean, if you're talking about pitching from a pitching standpoint, defense doesn't even matter. Uh, if you're, when you're talking about Gold Glove, then yeah, sure, pitching does matter. Our defense does matter, but I mean. I'm not going out and getting a five R A Dickies on my team because five R A Dickies aren't going to win the World Series. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You well, if you want to like know Cinder one more thing interesting about that, <laughs> yeah, um, you're you're absolutely right about not really caring too much about having a Gold Glover yeah. on your team just because they can feel the ball. Um, one of the all-time leaders in Gold Gloves for a pitcher is uh, Jim Kitty Cat who played wow. for the Senators slash Twins, oh, so way back. Uh, the White Sox, the Phillies. Yeah, that was way back in the, the 50s, I remember 60s, fondly. and 70s. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah uh, he actually won the Gold Glove 16 years in a row at pitcher. Right. Uh, he won 283 games, uh, lost 237. His ERA was 345, and he had almost 2,500 strikeouts. And he's he's not... In the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to talk about guys from back then because they were pitching three, four man rotation, and guys were throwing complete games left and right because they didn't have these one inning, hundred mile an hour hurlers like we do today. So I mean, and they, we don't have advanced stats for back then either. So we we can't tell. Like, we don't really know how fast that guy was throwing. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there are less teams in the league then. It's a completely different beast now with a 30-team league and all the technology we have at our disposal. So I'm not too sure how Jim Kitty Cat measures up against uh, guys like Dickey or Stroman, for for that matter. But that's an, that's an interesting uh, topic anyway, talking about pitcher defense. But something we can touch on in the future. But I, I think we've kind of got FIP and X. No more FIP up. talk. Let's, uh, yeah, let's shut the FIP <laughs> up here. Um, <laughs> since we went a little long with stats, let's, uh, let's focus on the old double A New Hampshire Fisher cats yeah, for sure, the old, uh, farm report. Yeah. Because I like talking about the double A team because <laughs> they are fucking they awesome. Are awesome. So, uh, that's the one positive we got going right now. The Fisher yeah. cats killing it. Um, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Was just named officially the top prospect in baseball right now. Yep. So congrats, Vladdy. I think he was four, 
at the start of the season, his batting, like he was the best batting prospect. Yeah. He was number one, but because of his fielding. But um, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, Bo Bichette, he's back to raking and stealing bases and doing things, being the the second fiddle to Vladdy, kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. I think he likes that. I think he's one of those guys that likes to fly under the radar a bit. Yeah. Uh, Biggio's playing really, really well. Uh, who else do you guys like on the AA team? Like some other guys that you know, aren't making headlines, like those three guys. Are there any, is there anyone else? I'm or? a big fan of Jonathan Davis. Um, fast. Hits to all fields. He had a he had for the cycle a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago for his cycling fish yep. cats history. He's also an all star along with uh, TJ Zuck and Jordan Romano to round up the three guys that you touched on, Clayton. Mm-hmm. So six all stars from that yeah uh, Fisher cast team. They're going to join uh, Tim Tebow from the Double A Mets and in the Eastern League. Tebow's in Double A right now. Yeah, he's he's actually hitting like two eighty or something this him. season. Good for him. Yeah, I don't really care. He, he's playing he's playing <laughs> really well actually. But yeah. back to Jonathan Davis. Davis is actually second on the team in stolen bases, mm-hmm. too. He's got 19 of them yep. already, and he's one of uh, quite a few Fisher Cats who are batting in and around 300, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. The team is just stacked. I can't see anybody in AA competing with them as far as winning well, whatever the right AA yeah. World Series is. Yeah, the, they're um, playing Trenton right now, um, and they're actually in a dogfight for first place. I think mean, there's about a game and a half or half a game separating the two teams going into today. So they've kind of uh, stumbled a bit without Vladdy, but Vladdy's going to be back in a matter of a few weeks by the sounds of it. So they'll be back to their winning ways mm-hmm. very soon. This Zuck kid, um, his TJ. whip is 123 since being called up to the Fisher Cats. Three, yeah. three, so, like three on the dot ERA. Um, is he a guy that might deserve um, a late season call up if he keeps this up, or do you still want to keep him in Double A for a bit longer? Because he started the season in Dunedin, um, I think he might get to Buffalo this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Bisons need somebody to fill in, I know Jordan Romano's been between Double A and Triple A. He's in Double A currently, uh, but he's been up there. So Zuck's kind of one of those guys who will fill in if the Bisons need someone. But I, I think we'll see him in double A for most of the season. Uh they're kind of, he's, yeah. he kind of fits in age wise with the rest of the prospects on that team. Yeah. They're they have a really good core of guys who are in that kind of eighteen to twenty three year old reg or uh, zone right now. It's actually uh Zuck's gonna be yeah, twenty three in August. So I, I see him being in Buffalo if he keeps up these numbers, but I don't I think it's a stretch to see him in the bigs. Yeah. Patrick, quick question for you. If you're playing on New Hampshire right now, and again, they're killing it, they probably have a chance to win like the double A title or something like that. Would you want to get called up to triple A with on a Buffalo team that's not really doing anything too special right now? Or do you want to stay on that double A team and like go on a playoff run with a team that you've been playing with all year? Do you take that promotion? What would you do? That is a great question, and I think ultimately it's down to like the individual player what they value the most. I think for an overwhelming majority of them, they're going to say, my goal at the end of the day isn't to win a double-A title, it's to get to the show. True. Yeah. So I would take yeah, I would call. take the promotion, and I, I don't know if uh, all these guys are going to see triple-A ball this year. Certainly we're going to see Vladdy, uh, and I mean, Guriel's already back up with the, the main team. I, I see Bo, Vladdy, and Kavan Biggio probably sticking together wherever it is they go. Um, I'd be very curious to see what happens with TJ, uh, just because, like you said, he has been he has been throwing the ball really well since he uh, got moved up from Dunedin, and 
you know, I, there's no reason to rush his development. No. The, the, the Jays aren't going to be competitive this year. Um, they will be better next year. But, I mean, him coming up to MLB only to get, you know, toss up meatballs uh, that get hit into, like, the second deck is only going to ruin his uh, whatever mojo he's tapping into right now. So I say, like, with these guys, keep them all together and let them see what winning something tastes like. Yeah. And it might make them hungrier to move up to the show. No, that's but, what I mean, I ultimately, thinking. you can't, like, we can't really... Vladdy is is destined to to get be a September call up. So mm. I mean, uh, Vladdy aside, I think yeah, keep the team together and do it. If it were me, I would take the call up because I'd rather play in AAA because it's just one step closer to the show. But I mean, I don't know. It's different. By the way, the Mets are up five nothing now, and they are getting no hit. So. That's happening. Great. Uh, let's talk about the guys who we don't need. Um, <laughs> who are we going to trade? Who are we going to get rid of? Let's keep this negative train going. Yeah. Um, Jay Happ, again, sucked against Detroit. Does that hurt his trade value, or our team's going to be like, nah, it's one rough start? It's one rough start, and Detroit, um, even though they're not a great baseball team, has the best uh, batting stats against left-handed pitchers this yeah. year. So, I mean, we, we saw Baraki go out the next day and shut them down, but, I mean, that could just be a case of, they're complete. Him and uh, Hap are completely different left-handed pitchers. So, um, I don't. I don't think this really hurts Hap's value at, at all. Um, the teams like the Yankees and the Mariners are interested in him because we've mentioned before that Boston doesn't do very well against left-handed pitchers. So they're not really worried about um, Hap in the regular season. They're worried about having him mm-hmm. when they need him in the playoffs. Um, outside of the Yankees and Mariners, the Brewers are also kind of in some rumors about Hap these days. Uh, the Jays have been extensively scouting the Brewers farm system. There's not a ton of guys in the Brewers farm system who are like blue chip prospects. Um, and not that we would get them for Jay Hap, but there are some interesting pieces that, uh, that we could get from them. Um, it's worth noting too, that Granderson could be a target there as well, because they just placed Lorenzo Kane on the DL hmm. uh, before the weekend. Yeah, that's right. So, we're seeing the Jays looking at their farm system, but it might not be for a hap trade. It could be for Granderson. Yeah. Uh, Marco Estrada, uh, again, keep this negative train going. Uh, he left the game in the first inning, like right when this podcast started. Yeah. Um, Patrick, does that, obviously it hurts his trade value, but do you think the Jays can get rid of him after getting hurt in a showcase start like this? Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends on how severe his injury is. Yeah. We, I don't think we know anything from Twitter or anything like that yet. But let's assume, like, even if he goes on the 10-day DL, there's still time for him to come back and make a couple starts, uh, at least one start, before the deadline hits. And he performed quite well in June. Um, Guys weren't, you know, hitting bombs off of him like they were in April and May. And uh, he's starting to come back around. I don't know. I, I think... I still agree with what we talked about before with Estrada and how his pitches uh, aren't as deceptive anymore. He's lost a little bit of stuff. But um, I still see him as, as somebody, a team like like maybe Seattle or if Anaheim's not out of it, could afford giving up some sort of pitching prospect, probably like in their middle uh, the middle of the pack for them 
for Estrada if it means solidifying, you know, the shot to get into the postseason. I know Seattle is super thirsty to get back into the playoffs, and they've they've played phenomenal this year. So I, I could see Estrada going to a team like that. I don't see him getting traded within the division, um, unlike Hap, who I think is a perfect candidate to join the Yankees mm-hmm. uh, starting rotation, just kind of gets slotted in to be a pitcher that can really hurt the Red Sox. But, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm with you on the, the Hap to the Yankees thing. I mean, we've seen CeCe Sabathia is having a vintage year. He looks mm-hmm. like he's 28 again. Um, and he's one of those lefties, too, that'll give Boston fits. So the Yankees are going to be a sneaky team when it comes to uh, playoff matchups. Uh, if, if they can play the Yankees in... One team's going to be the wild card, right? So if, if the Yankees or, or Boston finishes with the best record in the American League, they will play that wild card team. So they're kind of potentially setting up for a first-round playoff meeting. Yeah. Um, so having two lefties and Happ and Sabathia to play against Boston kind of gives you a, a sneaky advantage right away. So that's kind of that's kind of what we're looking towards, and Seattle's looking to be the same way. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, but I do believe that Hap will go to the Yankees or the Mariners. I think the Brewers are kind of an outside shot. Mm-hmm. I think Hap is going to go. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't think we get rid of Marco Estrada. No. I just think he's going to stick with us. Uh, really quickly here, um, one word answer. Is Josh Donaldson on the Jays um, after the August 31st waiver trade deadline? Justin? As of right now, yes, because he hasn't done any baseball activities recently he's been shut down right so i said one word answer yeah. yes. that is not one word yes, sorry i can't okay, do I one yes. get patrick <laughs> no really hmm, what do you think well, where do you think josh would go it's going to be an nl central team uh we talked about this before but whether it's pittsburgh or st louis whoever loses the manny machado uh, sweepstakes they're going to need some kind of answer. Donaldson still has tons of value, not just from his name, but actually what he you know, can contribute on the field. His value has declined rapidly this season, but I still think that the Jays are going to deal him because they'd rather get something for him. And it kind of opens up the window to have a certain 20-year-old third baseman we have in our system come up and sell some tickets in <laughs> August and September. Yeah, we have, so. yeah, we have a Ryan Tapera written down here for trade stuff. But again, no more talking about Ryan Tapera today. I think he's so um, I'm gonna end the uh, podcast off with another question for you guys here. Okay, uh, again, this is more Jose Batista baseball related. We have five minutes left in the allotted time. Um, when it comes to the Blue Jay uh, Mount Rushmore, I think we can all agree that Doc is on there and oh, Roberto sure. Alomar is on there. Yeah. Does Jose Batista get another one of those two spots on your Blue Jay Mount Rushmore? Think about it a little bit while I uh, say my two cents here. Sure. I would say yes. I would put him on there above Carlos Delgado just based on the fact that Jose had playoff success when he was here. Maybe not winning a ring success, but compared to the previous 20 years, playoff success nonetheless, mm-hmm. the memorable moments. You know, Carlos Delgado stats-wise might, you know, beat Jose by a little bit, and he may have been a little bit more dominant than Jose. I mean, other than Jose's 54 and 48, you know, home run seasons, but Carlos didn't really decline the way that Jose did. 
yeah. Carlos kind of kept going. He got that big contract with the Mets. Um, so I would, but still, I would put Jose above Carlos because I think I would go uh, Halliday, uh, Alomar, and then um, Jose Batista, and then Billy Koch. Uh, just kidding Billy about Billy Koch. Koch. I would not put Billy what? Koch on the Mount Rushmore. That's about to fall my chair. Yeah, if it was my uh, like my own personal Johnny Mac, because I just love Johnny Mac. But mm-hmm. uh, I would want I would have to think about a pitcher because I'd want two pitchers and uh, two hitters. But I would definitely put Jose Batista on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, um, you go, you go first, Patrick. <laughs> I gotta think All about right. some more. I, 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 this is a great question, Clayton, and I'm kind of with you on uh, the idea of two pitchers and two hitters. Yeah. So for me, my Mount Rushmore for the Jays is Roy Halladay, Roberto Alomar, Jose Batista, no question, and then Dave Steep yeah, has yeah. to be Steve's the other guy. Yeah. You gotta have one of those classic Jays on there. I mean, I know Alomar is on there, but like the like the starting Jays, you know, the vintage Jays. Yeah, see, I, I was yep. trying to decide um, who else I put on there. Uh, yeah, I, I love Carlos Delgado, but I think he's fifth place on this one. Yeah, you you can't you yep, can't close. you close. can't not put Dave Steeb on Blue Jays. That's Matt the Rushmore. thing. You just can't. You can't he, leave Dave Steeb out. Yeah, him him and Doc. If those guys could have pitched together in their heydays. My God! Oh my! Like you think of the ninety, uh, the nineties Braves, how they had that great rotation. But I mean, another guy we had who was a good pitcher for us too was uh, Tom Hankey. Was good. Yeah, well. Hankey was okay. That's uh, right. He's kind of one of the forgotten pitchers that we had throughout the years. And uh, the, the best, the best guy ever um, in terms of the most walks per nine innings, Josh Towers. <laughs> Josh, Tower, Josh Towers can go. He would be on himself. the Hall of Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if there was a Mount Rushmore made of poop. Upside down. I can name mine right now. Josh Towers would be on that list. Uh, JP, Russ Adams JP would be on that Cibia. list. Uh, uh, JP Aaron Cedia might be on that list. Brett Laurie's cement head is on that fucking list. Uh, he's on that it twice. So can, he's on, no, he's on it twice. I can't stand cement head. Oh. I remember when he went to Oakland and he made a goodbye video for the Jays. Like he was like he's in the Oakland gear or whatever, and he just wanted to be on Sportsnet and he was on yeah. he was with Barry Davis. I miss Barry Davis, by the way. And uh, he was just talking like how like, oh yeah, I love Toronto playing in Canada but it was just very insincere and he had his t-shirt rolled up just to like show his yeah. and he was doing the flexy thing yeah, for the yeah, can- yeah, yeah. you can just totally tell he was flexing as hard as he could oh just, just the kind of guy Brett Laurie was, oh, was oh. uh, I think that's it boys because uh, we got shit to do because we're very important people obviously but um, that was a good episode the Mount Rushmore good laudable at the end there and uh, yeah great uh, rant and advanced stats by YouTube it was uh, it was fun made some memories had some laughs uh, if you enjoyed it next week we'll do it all again we'll see you uh, next tuesday and uh yeah for patrick and justin episode five in the books thank you for listening